Welcome to Free Chapel Spartanburg with Pastor Javon Ruff. Let's join the service in progress. Thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, open them up with me for a few moments. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 16. Thank you, Lord. As Pastor Caleb said, we, we have what we scheduled at the end of the fast every year on the last day, which is next Sunday. We'll have our miracle prayer line and prayer service where we'll anoint everyone with oil and pray for them. Something powerful that we do every year. But I do agree that you don't have to wait till next week. Because to be honest, all of us are not promised next week. All we're promised is now. This moment right here. Ephesians chapter 1. Thank you guys. This is the Paul said, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Having your eyes, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope which he has called you, and what are the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable or the exceeding greatness of his power to us that believe, according to the working of his great power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and now is seated at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he has put all things under his feet and he has made him head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all and all. <clears throat> I want to speak to you from this particular passage this morning. And um, if you notice that... Um, that this has been, this particular passage of scripture has been kind of foundational, the landing place that we have kind of declared over this time of fasting. And I'm just, my subject today is what we have been saying around this time is open my eyes. Open my eyes. I want to talk to you today from this particular subject, open my eyes eyes. Lord, open my eyes. Here in this particular text, you have the apostle Paul who's had written a church, written a letter to the church at Ephesus. And here at Ephesus, it, it consisted most of Gentile converts, those um, who had been converted to Christ, those who uh, originally were wrapped up in and lifestyles and idol worship and all types of things and darkness and deception but had come to faith. And history tells us that there, this was, I love this. God, I'm telling you, God's doing something because this is a church, the Bible said, where that, uh, Paul saw more miracles out of any church that he had preached at or taught in. More miracles at the church at Ephesus. And it matured really quickly, historians say. Matter of fact, it was here that the Bible said that, that in Acts 19, this is the church where Paul was preaching, where he, after he would preach under the anointing and the power of God, that they would take the handkerchiefs from his clothing and they would take to those who were sick and those who were infirmed. And when those, those uh, cloths that had been anointed touched their bodies, they would be healed, delivered, and set free. It is this church here that Paul speaks to us from this morning. And as he opens up this letter, the scripture says this, that he reminds them, that they had been chosen by the Father. They had been redeemed by the Son, but also they had been sealed by the Spirit. He said that you're in a good place. You're saved. You're redeemed. God has chosen you, and great things are happening. But Paul, the Bible said, said, but ever since the day that I heard of it, he said, I did not cease to pray for you. And despite all the things that God has done and the good things that you have experienced, Paul said, I'm continuing to pray for you. And I want to take you to this text because he begins to pray and he, and he begins to ask God. 
He said, I pray, number one, that you would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, Lord. Notice what he said. The first thing, I want them to have a spirit and a, a, of revelation in the knowledge of you. Now, understand when I say in the knowledge of you, I'm not speaking of just knowing uh, a head knowledge. But the Bible says in John chapter uh, 17, verse 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one and only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32 says, but the people who know their God shall be strong and do mighty exploits. That word, that word know is gnosko, which means to know through personal experience as a result of intimacy and communion. In other words, I don't know him with just intellectual apprehension, but I've moved from just intellect to intimacy. And he said, the thing that I'm praying is that this would be a church that understands that serving Christ is about relationship and truly knowing him. Because there's a difference between knowing about him and knowing him. I don't know about you. Have you ever gone to a restaurant? Yes, I'm going there. To a restaurant. And they come out and you say, what's the main course? Or what's the meal of the day? And the waiter or waitress, they, 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 in some restaurants, they take pride in giving you this whole dissertation and exposition of today we, we have, you know, we have uh, uh, um, um, grilled salmon, lightly sauteed, marinated over the last 24 hours, garnished with, with, with lemon pepper and, 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 and garlic on the side, with a side of mashed potatoes and gravy. And, and, and they go through all these things and, 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 they're, and they're describing it and you're sitting there like, oh my God. And to the point where they have you convinced that the way they describe it is so good. I think I'll have that. Anybody ever said that? But then have you ever asked, the, have you ever been in this position where they get done explaining it all and then you ask this question, have you ever had it? And then they say, well, no, I haven't. Now, all of a sudden, I'm in a state of confusion because for the last two minutes and 33 seconds and a half, you described this meal down to the T as if you ate it three times a week. But now you just told me that you've never had it. And could it be that that's the issue that could come to the church or with Christians or followers of Christ? We are good with telling people about Jesus. We can describe him. We can quote scripture. We can take you and tell you about the 66 books of the Bible. We can get into theological debates, hermeneutics and homiletics and pneumatology and theology. And we can go through all of that. But the question is, do you know him? Have you truly tasted and seen that he is good for yourself? This is the question that Jesus asked the disciples. The Bible said in Matthew 16, he said, who do you say that I am? And notice what it said. He said, who do men say that I am? The son of man am. And then he goes on to say, listen, so they said, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then look what Jesus said. He said, but who do you say that I am? And Simon said, thou art the son of, of Christ. The, 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 you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood have not revealed that, but my father in heaven. This is what get me. Isn't it amazing when he said, who do man say that I am? A lot of them had a response. A lot of them could get to watch this. They can tell, they responded with a some say. And Jesus said, I don't want some say Christians. I don't want people to just to tell me what some say. And he said, who do you say that I am? And notice, several responded when it came to some say, but only one responded when he said, who do you know? One out of 12. Could it be there, therein lies a pattern in the church if I were to count that one only, only one out of every 12 people on a row actually know him? Ooh, it's quiet in the church this morning. 
And what I'm saying to you this morning is we have to make sure that we realize that religious activity can never substitute for relational equity. We have to remember that religious practices serve our relationship. They are not our relationship. I don't, watch this, I don't go to church to be saved. I go to church because I am saved. Come on, somebody. I do it because I am. They serve my relationship. They are not my relationship. Understand that it is possible to know about him, but not know him. I know what it's like to live that life where I go through the motions in church. I remember times that I would sit in services and go through the motions. I would know the songs. I would know the format. I would know what was going to be said and what was going to be sung. And, and guess what? And, and if you would see me, you would swear up and down I was a saint. But all the while I was singing with my hands raised and hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. I was thinking about the joint I was going to smoke right after church. I was thinking about what the club I was going to that night. Ooh, are we not supposed to talk about that in church? I was thinking about all the stuff that I was planning but on the outside that was old Saint Javon but I look back at my life and saw how I was able to just go through the religious routines of doing church until one day I taste and seen that he was good until one day I encountered the King the living Lord Jesus Christ and he opened my eyes to show me there was more than just going through the motions. Understand the second thing that he prayed for. Stay with me this morning. He said, I pray that you would know him. But look what he said. He said, I pray that your eyes of understanding would be enlightened. This is what I want to get. You know what he was saying? He said, I want your eyes to be open. I know you're saved and I know you're, you're, you're in church, but your eyes need to be open more and more to the things that I have for you. Listen to what I'm about to say. Eyes of your head give you sight, but eyes of your heart give you vision. Sight is a function of the eyes, but vision is a function of faith. Sight is the ability to see things as they are, but vision is the ability to see things as they could be or should be. Sight is confined to your current environment, but vision sees beyond your now to your future impossibility. Spiritual insight is what he's talking about that cannot be obtained by normal means. He says, I want your eyes to be open in a way that is so supernatural that you can see things that you could never see by yourself. You see, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9 says this, that your eyes have not seen, your ears have not heard, nor have it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love them. There's some stuff that's prepared for you that you don't know about yet. But next verse, it says this, but notice this, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. And what Paul is saying, I don't want you to get to the place to feel like you have seen it all and done it all. There are still some prepared things that God has for you and your family that you have not yet to see and he said but the Holy Spirit has a desire to open up your eyes to what he has already prepared you see the enemy listen to what I'm about to say wants to keep the enemy can't keep you from being saved but he will try to keep you from seeing the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, I'm coming today. I hope you got notes and pens. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, it says the God of this world have blind the minds of the unbelievers from seeing the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. Notice what the enemy assignment is. He blinds the mind. The enemy is the prince of darkness. He wants to keep you in the dark about the things that God has planned for your life. You see, think about darkness. If we turn out all the, the lights in this room right now, if everything goes black dark, everything in the dark looks the same. Think about it. It's only when light begins to enter that you start, watch this, are able to start making a distinction. Because when the light comes in, you'll recognize, oh, there's people in here. 
There's not just people in here. There's different types of people in here. There's older people. There's younger people. There's different nationalities. There's different race. People are dressed different. But notice you would never know the details without the light. And the enemy, watch this, wants to keep us blinded. Watch this. How many have blinds in your home? Okay. Class participation is okay. It's not a trick question. He's like, mm-hmm, you know. Here's my point. I was telling Shan, I was thinking about this. I said, babe, look at the blinds. When you have the blinds, when you close the blinds in your house, the goal is to keep what's on the outside from seeing on the inside. Or in the daytime, you close the blinds, watch this, to keep the sun out. But watch this. Blinds may keep the sun out, but blinds can't keep the sun from shining. You'll catch it in a minute. And the enemy knows he can't keep the S-O-N from shining. But what he tries to do is blind you so that his light don't get on the inside of you. Because when his light gets on the inside of you, that's when you are open eyes and can see what you never saw. But watch this. The enemy takes us. Watch this. We'll use not only blinders, but watch this. The enemy tries to blindfold believers. Watch this with world. You're saved, but let me see if I can blind you with worldliness. What do you mean by that? The Bible says in 1 John that all, the, all, all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Notice one of the things the world system, I'm not talking about the world, it's inhabitants as far as people, but the world system. The, the Bible said that, that Satan is the prince of this world or the prince of the air. It's a world system that is contrary to the kingdom of God. And he says that's all that's, and what I want to do is blindfold you. I want you to get so caught up and preoccupied, I put it like this, become preoccupied with gratifying physical desires, so caught up with materialism and craving and accumulating things, obsessed with our own status and importance, and so therefore we are locked into this carnal way of living and it, we become blinded to the greater life that you and I have. And that's his job to try to keep us in this sense realm. And if that's not enough, watch where I'm going somewhere. Because it goes from blind's fold will eventually become blind spots. Blind spots when you're driving. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Over, I looked it up, over 800,000 wrecks happen a year in America as a result of blind spots. Oh, yes. 800, 300 fatalities. What is a blind spot? It's an area around the vehicle that you cannot be direct, that you cannot be directly or see directly or observe by the driver while he is in control. In other words, it's an area that I cannot see, but it's an area that affects me. And one of the blind spots that the enemy wants to do, watch this, is get us blinded about our own lives. And what I mean by that, one of, the, one of the ways the enemy can get you blinded is believing your own press. Thinking you're okay. Thinking everything's all made in the shade. But Proverbs tells us there is a way that seems, all the ways seem right in a man's eyes. But the Lord weighs his spirit. In other words, oh, we always look good in our eyes. We will always justify things in our eyes. Well, I don't think the Lord is, oh, I think God is okay with that. I don't see anything wrong with that. I think it's okay. Ah, a little here, a little there. Ah, not, not that, but it's not that bad. It doesn't seem bad in my, I don't see that it's that bad. But that's the problem. <laughs> 
He said, the Lord weighs the spirit. He said, your measurement is all. You don't measure yourself by yourself. You measure yourself by the word of God. And you can't live life saying, I think I'm okay and I think I'm okay. All right. But what you have to do is like David, you have to present yourself to God. And he declares these words and he says, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and cleanse me. David understood that if I look at myself, I will justify my ugliness. I will justify my attitude. I will justify my arrogance. I will justify my selfishness. I will justify how I treat people. He said, but if I can get God to get his eyes on me, the Lord will show me the truth about me. I don't know about you. I want him to open my eyes about a lot of things, but I don't want to live in deception. I don't want to think everything is all right when it's not all right. And that's the whole purpose of us fasting. One of the reasons is that we're saying, God, open up our eyes to the blind spots in our life. Don't let us live lives that are deceived, that are deceived and allowing things to remain in our life that is holding us back, that is keeping us back, that is paralyzing. Let me put it like this. That's causing wrecks in our life. Wrecks in our marriages. Wrecks in our relationships, wrecks in our finances, wrecks in our businesses, all because of blind spots. You see, what has to happen is God says, I want to open up your eyes that you might see. I just got to preach it like I feel it now. You got to open up your eyes. See, that's exactly what happened to Paul on Damascus Road. The Bible said that he was going down. Paul thought everything that he was doing was right in his own eyes. Here's the problem. He had the applause and the approval of, of people, but he had the disapproval of God. Be careful how you listen to the applause and the approval of people. People will have you going down the wrong road headed toward destruction cheering you on not understanding that there is death at the end but your God loves you so much he will send a divine intervention he will send a divine interruption on your Damascus road and the Bible said that there shone a light from heaven it knocked Paul off his high horse and the Bible said that he was blinded and the scripture said that he could not see. Oh, I'm ready to preach. Because when he watched this, he lost sight, but he gained vision. Because in that moment that he saw the Lord, he starts seeing himself. He was like, what have I been doing? What have I been thinking? And that's what's wrong sometimes. Until you get a clear vision of God, you'll never have a clear vision of yourself. And the Bible sent a little man by the name of Ananias. He said, Ananias, there's a man over there. His name is Saul of Tarsus. He's had a vision of someone coming and laying hands on him and praying that the, watch this, that his eyes would be recovered. His sight would come back. And here's what I want to show you. And the Bible said that Ananias went over and laid hands on, on, on Saul. And the scripture said, there fell from his eyes that which was like scales. Scales. Ah, oh, reptiles have scales. Snakes have scales. Snake eyes. It's the external covering of reptiles. In other words, before all Paul could see was the external. But when Ananias laid hands, God said, I'm removing the, the scales of the external. So now that you can see the internal. And that's when Paul began to declare over in Philippians. He said, I thought I had it right. I thought things were good. I thought things were great about all I knew and all my accolades. But he said, I count all that but dung that I might know him I have seen him and now I've seen myself are you with me are you with me Paul goes on to pray he said this he said I pray that your eyes of understanding would be enlightened he said first I want you to see me so that you can be able to see yourself now watch this Paul said there's three things are you ready and we'll give them to you real quick. He said, there's three things that I want you to see. He said, number one, are you ready? I want you to see the hope of his calling for us. 
I want your eyes to be open. Hear me free chapel now. I want your eyes to be open to the hope of his calling for us that believe. Listen to what I'm about to say. How I see determines how I hope. Did you catch that? Hopelessness is often associated with sight challenges. Ugh. Most people are hopeless because they're focusing on the wrong thing or looking at the wrong thing. Watch this. I wrote it down like this. You will never have a good outlook until you have the right insight. You will never have a good outlook until you have first the right insight. Listen to this. People lose hope for looking at the wrong thing. But he says, I want to open your eyes to the hope of your calling, or I want to open your eyes to the hope that you have as those who are chosen by God. We see this demonstrated in, in the Bible said in second Kings chapter six, verse 15, the Bible said Elijah and his little servant went out in the morning. Look, notice this early in the morning. And there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said, look what he said. He said, ah, my master, what shall we do? You know what he was saying? He said, Elijah, we're surrounded. Elijah, we're covered. Elijah, our backs are against the wall. Elijah, we're stuck in between a rock and a hard place. He said, Master, what are we going to do? They're about to kill us. They're about to take us out. They're about to annihilate us. What are we going to do? And if I could see Elijah right there, he's just chilling. He's just sitting. I, I saw it in my mind. I said, it seemed like he had a, had, a, had a pocket knife and a twig just carving a little bit. And he's looking at him. And he's seeing his servant pitch a fit and run around in circles. And he said, my servant, he said, go back and look again. Because what the servant was saying, we're hopeless right now. But the Bible said, he said, go back and look again. And the scripture said that when he went, Elijah said these words, Lord, here it is. I pray that you open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And what happened? And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of, of fire all around Elijah. My God, I want you to understand it was only when his eyes were open that he went from hopelessness to having full assurance that what is surrounding me God has already surrounded I'm praying that our eyes would be open to the hope that we have as a blood-bought born-again believer there is nothing that you are facing that is hopeless we are not hopeless people we are not helpless people we are not victims we are victors and what we need to pray is God open up our eyes that we might see notice what he said there is more with us than it is with them I don't care who's coming against you I don't care who's talking about you I don't care who's trying to take you out I don't care who's trying to come against your marriage come against your children come against your family come against your business I want to declare this morning if you are a child of God there is hope and there is more with you than it is with them there is more with you than that that is coming against you you've got heaven on your side come on you got angels backing you up you got the king of kings and the lord of lords on your side and he said if god be for you who can be against you i don't know if i'm in the right church this morning but we are not hopeless he said you need to, he said, you need to understand the hope that you're called. You got to catch the, the wording in that. He said, if you are the called, first Peter said that we are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that have, that you may proclaim the praises of him there who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And what he's saying, if you are called, if you are called out, you are called in. If you've been called out of darkness, you are now in his light. 
He said, I called you out of disadvantage into the advantage. I called you out of least likely to more than enough. I called you, oh, come on, somebody, out of being the tail, the tail, and now you're the head. I called you out of being left behind that now you are in the forefront. As the call, come on, I have hope. Let me just go ahead and preach it like this. That's why the Bible said, all things work together for the good of them who are what? Or what? Or what? No. You left out a word. That's what we say. All things work together for the those who love God to those who, and this is what we say, are called. You skipped the whole word, and that word means a lot. Because the Bible said many are called, but few are chosen. He is being intentional and direct. He didn't say everybody that's called. He said those who are the called. That the called is called out ones. Ecclesia. So he's talking about the church. So in other words, all things working together is a redemptive aspect or benefit that we have as a believer. It don't work like that for everybody, but it does work like that for you and me. If you are the call, God said, I'll work it out for your good. Ooh, I just blew some of your theology. He said the whole, say I have hope because I've been called. Number two, he said, I pray that the glory that you, your eyes would be open. Here we go to the glorious riches of his inheritance. Ephesians one said that he, that we have received an inheritance from God. Say, I got an inheritance. I'm not talking about what mom left you or dad left you or great, 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 great grandma, dad or let mom. But I have an inheritance as a child of God. Ephesians 1, 3 said that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Second Peter 1, 3 said he's given us all things to pertain into life and godliness. Notice that was past tense. Has given. Not will give. It's already been given. I have an inheritance right now. Let me break it down like this. I, the word inheritance is defined as property or possessions or, or, or possessions passing at the owner's death to the heir or those entitled to succeed. But listen, the inheritance or the will goes into effect only after the person's death. See, when Jesus hung on the cross, your big brother Jesus, oh God, your family member Jesus, your Lord and your Savior, when he hung on the cross and paid the price, it was not just for the forgiveness of your sin. Good God. He paid, come on, he took the keys from the de of death, hell, and the grave. He robbed them all. And he said, I'm restoring to you back what the Father intended you to have from the beginning. So when there was a death, good God, now the inheritance was passed on to the children. That's why the scripture said that we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Because when he died on the cross, the finished work of the cross have already provided what you and I need until the day Jesus calls us home. See, I know that messes with you because you say I have needs right now. Javon, you said I got what I need, but I got needs every day. Evidently, I don't have what I need because I got needs. Watch this. It's not about you. Watch this. You, uh, about God creating your needs. It's about you discovering what he's already provided. See, here's the problem. See, see, everything that has been created has already been created. I'm going a little deep here. Would you agree to that? God said that he's finished. There's no more new creation in the sense to things being created. Okay? What do we always hear? Scientists say, they rarely say new creation. They say a new 
Come on. A new discovery. Matter of fact, some of y'all veg out on that channel all the time. Discovery channel. So when you discover something, you didn't create it. It was something that has already been there, but you're just now seeing it. Good God. But it took some time for you to discover it. That's why the Holy Spirit, the Bible said, has come to lead us and guide us in all truth and show us things to come. He wants to help you discover what has already been given. Instead of saying, Lord, give me this, give me that. Help me to understand what I've already been given. Open up my eyes to see the provisions that you've already made for my life. Everything that you need to carry out your mission, your assignment, your purpose, and your destiny has already been given. And I'm declaring for some of you, this is the year of discovery. This is the year that you're going to see things you never saw. You're going to receive what you have yet to receive. You're going to step into what you have yet to step into because the Holy Spirit is going to open your eyes. I got to quit. Say, I got an inheritance. Come on, say it like you believe. I got an inheritance. I got a wheel. And it's good. Healing's in my wheel. Blessing's in my wheel. Peace is in my wheel. Strength is in my wheel. Joy is in my wheel. Elevation is in my wheel. Favor is in my wheel. Promotion is in my wheel. Comfort is in my wheel. Strength is in my wheel. Purpose is in my wheel. Destiny is in my wheel. I got a wheel because of my heavenly father. Mm. Last. Say he's almost there. The last thing he said, I want to pray your hope, your inheritance. And here's the last thing he said, I want to pray that your eyes be open to the exceeding and greatness of the power. Here it is. We got to read this stuff right of his power to us that believe. See, we quote this stuff. In other words, there's a power that's available to us that's not available to everybody. See, this is why Paul was praying it. He said, I want you to know what you got. See, oh, what you don't know will hurt you. What you don't know won't hurt you. Keep living that way you want to. What you don't know will hurt you. Everything that you don't know you have, the devil can keep you from. And that's why when he thinks... He's going to snatch one of your children when he thinks he's got them in their grips. You look over and say, no, that's not in the wheel because his wheel said, I'm willing that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. His will said, believe on the Lord Jesus and thou and thou household shall be saved. His will said that my sons and my daughters shall come home from the land of the enemy. That's what his will said. And because he said it, I believe it. He said, I want you to know the greatness of his power. I'm going to give you these real quick. Because here's what it is. Number one, what do you mean? The first one, he said, this power is broken down into three things real quick. I wrote it down like this. Power for your life. Power to keep you in life. And power to give you life. When that said power for your life, there is miracle working power for the believer. That's why I felt this today. Listen to what I'm about to say. What do you mean miracle work and power? Supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature. A temporary suspension of a custom order. <laughs> it's when divinity intervenes in human affairs. <clears throat> Watch this. Acts 4.33 said, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection. 
That's miracle working power. And here's what I want to show you. Acts 19, 11. Here's where, and this is where Paul did this in this church. And so see, when we, when we preach and teach, we don't, me and Caleb don't sit down with what you're preaching, what you're teaching, what songs. He's got two songs in here talking about miracles today. And I was stirred because I knew what God put in my heart. I wonder what the Lord is trying to say to Free Chapel Spartanburg. Because he said this, he said in Acts 19, God, listen to this, worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul. Unusual miracles. And here's what I got to get you. Because see, right now, I'm going to put my foot on the cynical mind. Because see what has happened in the church today. We have, uh, mm, we have abandoned the authenticity of the miracle work and power of God because of what man has abused and manipulated and connived and seduced with. But that scripture said it wasn't Paul that did the miracle. Did you catch it? So I don't want to hear miracles went out with the apostle because the apostle didn't do miracles by themselves. The only way that the apostles could do the miracles if there was a God by the Holy Spirit in the apostles. See, to me, the Bible says in Acts, the acts of the apostle, but there were no acts of the apostles if it wasn't power of the Holy Spirit. And the last time I checked, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he did unusual miracles by the hands of Paul then, he can do unusual miracles by the hands of Free Chapel now. He's the same. He is a miracle-working God. And I'm declaring right now over you and this church that this year we will see unusual miracles on our come on somebody that will testify to the goodness the greatness and the awesomeness of our God it's not to be puffed up it's not to give us a name but it's to exalt the name that is above every name the name of Jesus he is a miracle worker he's a miracle worker I said he's a miracle worker I said he's a miracle worker he's a miracle worker He's a miracle worker. Unusual miracles. I prophesy it. Unusual miracles in your businesses. Unusual miracles in your family. Unusual miracles in your marriage. Unusual miracles in your calling. Unusual miracles in your ministry. I declare unusual miracles. Things you can't comprehend. Things you can't understand. Stuff that's going to blow your mind. That all you can say is but God did it. Nobody gets the credit. He gets all the glory for unusual miracles. I'm sorry, I feel it. I feel it strong. I'm not talking about in my flesh. I'm talking about in my spirit. We got to believe God again. We got to get faith again. I'm tired of preaching about it. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of just reading about it. I'm ready to be about it. I want to see blind eyes open, ears open, get up out of the wheelchair, limbs go back. Unusual miracles. needs a miracle who needs a miracle get out of your seat get out of your seat come down in this altar and lift up your hands and begin to declare I believe I believe come on I believe I believe I believe I believe I believe I believe miracle worker way maker promise keeper light in the darkness he can turn it around he can break it loose he can break it out he can shut it down he can lift it up he'll exalt the valleys bring the mountains down low crooked places be made straight rough areas plain come on somebody he's a miracle throw your hands up right now in the name of jesus in the name of Jesus. Father, you see your people this morning. You see every hand raised. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, you see every hand. Every hand represents divine intervention. Every hand represents a need for the supernatural, Father. What we're saying this morning, we can't do it without you. We can't do it with our expertise. We can't do it with our experience. Our education ain't doing nothing for this right now. We need something that is beyond us. With man, it is impossible. But with you, God, all things are possible. So I declare right now, in the name of Jesus, unusual miracles, miracles of healing. In the name of Jesus, I cancel every assignment of the enemy that has given death sentences over people with terminal illnesses and sicknesses. I prophesy you will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. With long life, he will satisfy you and show you his salvation. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we curse sickness, disease, and infirmity. Somebody needs a miracle in their family. There's brokenness, there's hurt, there's pain, there's division, and you've tried everything that you know, but seemingly nothing you do is working. But in the name of Jesus, we declare, oh God, Unity come back to that home. Uh, uh, health comes back to that home. We declare bitterness must go. Resentment must go. Unforgiveness must go. In the name of Jesus, we declare wholeness in houses right now. We declare peace in houses right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray, oh God, right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. pray for people who are in financial situations and I'm not just talking about just a little bit of money, no, no, that you know that it's going to take a miracle from God in the natural, all the odds are stacked against you in the natural, there's no way possible it could happen but Father, right now, we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are unseen and we declare our eyes are on you and we thank you you did miracles of provision in the wilderness oh god you caused manna to fall from heaven and if you did it under the old covenant how much would you more would you do it under a new and better covenant so i declare right now unusual favor with unusual people in unusual places that will bring breakthrough in the area of your job your business and your finances in jesus name so father pray this right here i'm done they're gonna lead we're gonna leave out on a praise what they're singing but i'm gonna dismiss you but i'm gonna declare this right now in this house lord let this be a breeding ground for the miraculous let this be a place where we see bona fide, undeniable signs and wonders and miracles that attest to your goodness and faithfulness, Father God. Not to lift us up as a church. We don't, it ain't about us, it's about him. But to lift up your name and show a lost and hurting and broken world that there is a God that is real, a God that loves, and a God that is able, and a God that will save, deliver, and set free because he is a miracle worker. Every head bow and every eye close. If you're in this room, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord Savior. I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe your eyes have been blinded to salvation and an authentic walk relationship with God. Maybe you've been blinded to it. God brought you here to this service to remove for some of you you realize today I've been religious 
I just been going to church to ease my conscience. I know the life I'm not living. Matter of fact, when I told how I was, you said, that's me. Because some of you, even before this moment, was planning your evening about stuff that you're going to get into that you know that's not right with God. But you're not here by accident or mistake. God loves you. And He wants you. There's a better life. There's a better way. You just can't see it yet. But if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, I promise you, he will open up your eyes to a life that you never thought, dreamed, or imagined. I'm not saying that your life will be without pain, will not be with sorrow. Listen, that's part of life. But I'm telling you, when you got Jesus, it makes it a whole lot better. And I'll always have a hope no matter what I face. And everything that I go through will work out for my good because I'm the called. So if you're in this room this morning, Maybe you've fallen away. Maybe you've backslid and you want to recommit. This is your moment. I want to ask you, if you say, Javon, you're talking to me. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to know him. Not do church stuff, but enter into a relationship with him. I need his forgiveness this morning. Pray for me. If that's you right where you're standing, I'm going to count to three. And I want you to shoot your hand up as quick as you can. Are you ready? One, if I'm talking to you. Two, if you hear the Lord speaking and dealing with your heart, Three, if you mean business, shoot that hand up now, right now. Wherever you're standing, raise it up. There's a hand, there's a hand, yep, there's a hand, there's a hand, there's a hand, there's a hand. Come on, raise it up high, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Anybody else? Raise it up. Any other hands, any other hands? Any other hands? Any other hands? Praise God. I want to see that hand. If you see someone with their hand up, we're going to be the church. Don't be crazy, but gently lay your hand on their shoulder. And we're going to pray this prayer with them because we're one big family. And we're going to lead them in a prayer that's going to change their life. Are you ready? Right where you're standing, say, Jesus, I surrender my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Give me a fresh start and a new beginning. I surrender all to you. And I ask you to be Lord of my life my steps direct my paths and open my eyes in Jesus name amen amen now give the Lord a shout of praise I said give the Lord a shout of praise for more information about this message or to join us at one of our live services at Free Chapel Spartanburg visit freechapel.org slash Spartanburg thank you for listening and we look forward to seeing you soon at Free Chapel Spartanburg